0: Welcome to the Black Queens On Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss topics of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Today I am here joined with a fantastic burlesque performer, Lottie Ellington. How are you today, Lottie?
1: Wonderful. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to to talk with you because I get the I, every so often I get the chance to talk to Earthy, uh, Eartha, and um, Caffeine, and they're fantastic. Um, so now I'm I'm glad that I get the chance to talk with you.
1: Yes, I'm I'm excited to be. I'm well. I'm excited to be back.
0: So why don't you why don't you explain to me what your style of burlesque is?
1: Um let's see. It's something that I've had to, that I'm growing, I'm still growing into it. I've been doing this since 2011 and I've learned that you're you just you're constantly to stay in this, you have to keep moving and growing and learning. And so when I started burlesque in 2011, I was more neo-burlesque. I was more kind of story driven. Um, I did a lot of like characters and nerdlesque. Now that I'm going into year, I'm in nine, you know, nine years in this. So now I've moved into more classic style, burlesque. So more of a classic at this point, but very um. I'm still very silly, so there will I have a lot of silly numbers. But right now, I'm trying to move and more and do more embracing of classic burlesque.
0: So you were saying neo burlesque and nerd burlesque. Can you explain what um, neo burlesque and nerdlesque is? So neo burlesque
1: is um, sort of like a catch-all for burlesque that is not that is more modern. So you have modern songs, modern costuming. Um, so that would be like your neo burlesque. Very often it's story driven. Sometimes it's more political. Um, nerdlesque is has to do with any type of fandom. So things like I have a, a number to um Todrick Hall's twerking in the rain where I am a gender bent Howard Wolowitz from Big Bang Theory. I have <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Um, I That's have a uh, Iron, Iron Patriot from the um, Iron Man 3 series. So I have different th- that would be those of those nerdless. So anything that follows like any type of fandom, any type of kind of pop culture would be nerdlesque.
0: Okay. Cuz I came across the the the, the term neo burlesque and it it was so it was fascinating to me and then now now that you're explaining what it is so it could be like any song today. It wouldn't be the songs of like yesteryear, like during the time of Josephine Baker or Miss Topsy, right? Yeah. Not those songs, but like songs like, say if somebody wanted to do Savage Remix and you could, they're twerking to it.
1: <laughs> you could do it. Um, you could do, I mean, the joy of of being in Burlesque right now is that we have so much to work from. So if I was so inclined, I could do a classic number to the Savage remix with a ball gown and corset and thigh-high stockings and all of the glitz and the glamour that goes along with that, but done to a modern song.
0: Mm, okay. Do you have a particular favorite form of burlesque?
1: Um, No, it's really just what, whatever whatever inspiration hits So inspiration comes from really weird my inspiration always comes from really weird places and I work really hard to try to make sure that whatever it is that I'm doing is different for any for a host of reasons one because I'm a black woman and I need to you know black excellence requires me to be good. I have to be really good and I have to be that much better to be able to stand out in in a sea of white bodies. So hmm, interesting. inspiration hits and I kind of go with it. So like for um, for the Twerking in the Rain, I literally was hanging out with some people and they were like, oh, my God, you've got to hear this song. It's crazy. And it wasn't even Twerking in the Rain. It was Todrick Hall's Splits on Trees. And that kind of got me into Todrick Hall. And then I found Twerking in the Rain and I was like, oh, my God, I've got to do something with this. What do I do? So I had a song, but I didn't have anything else. And at the time I had been watching um, Big Bang Theory had started, it was in the syndication. So I was like, I was watching that every day after work. And so I was like, oh my God, what if Howard Wallowitz is arguing with his mother about going someplace in the rain? And once Howard <laughs> gets outside, realizes, Hey, I should work in the rain. <laughs> so that's how that kind of just came about. And then, you know, I was like, oh, my God, that would be cool to strip out and have on a dicky." So I have a dicky on underneath my shirt. And I had I, you know, I had to get men's underwear to wear because Howard Rollowitz. And of course, they have NASA on them because his biggest thing in his life was to, you know, become an astronaut. Mm-hmm. So it was really just kind of like this number series of things that like, OK, pull this, pull this, pull this, pull this and then i kind of just pulled them all together and came up with this thing that that was that is twerking in the rain. And there were there's a thousand, you know there's plenty of people who have done routines to twerk in the rain, but i made sh- i wanted to make sure that it was unique and it didn't just follow everyone else.
0: Right. I get you. I've recently started looking at some burlesque stuff as particularly when i started my organization Blacken and starting this podcast and coming across so many different forms of burlesque. It's, it's, it's incredibly interesting. I'm a cosplayer myself. So when I first came across Nerdlesque, I was, I was pretty intrigued (laughs) to say the least. (laughs) There
1: are a lot of cosplayers that do burlesque. Um, uh, Mackie um, Mackie Hines does, I'm sorry, Maki Roll um, does, uh, she does, she started with cosplay and she does amazing, amazing ner- nerd but she was able to kind of bridge, been able to bridge that gap between her cosplay and then burlesque. Mm-hmm. So she's really amazing at it. There's, there are a lot of, then we are everywhere. There's, you know, blurred nation, um, you know, black nerds all over the place. So wherever you have a black Nerd, you're most likely going to have some, Nerdlesque happening
0: that's great I love it I love it I love it all I, I really do um so why don't you you were talking about your how you infused a show, a TV show into your burlesque performance why don't you tell us the process of preparing for an entire show like when like how do you pick a song like how do you know that song is the one uh, how long does it take for you to practice? your your piece before you actually perform it
1: it's a it's a process it, and it kind of depends on what's happening um, some numbers take months to prepare some numbers are literally like over a weekend like all right I thought about this and I'm going with it So it really depends on like it depends on what's happening also burlesque is a journey so while you might have a song, and you might have a song and no costume. You might have a costume and no song. You might have a song and a costume, but you have no concept of what it is that you're gonna do with them. Like because the question that I always ask myself, um, and one of my teachers brought this to me, and I was like, oh wow, I hadn't thought about that. Was why? Why are you doing this? Why are you? Why are you taking off your clothes? Is there a reason for it? And so I try to make sure that if I'm doing anything that's nerdlesque or neo, that I have a why to, to drive the story forward, as opposed to just classic tends to be more about, um, again, the opulence, the dress, and fetishizing the mundane. So for like classic burlesque, it's, oh, I have a dress, and it's beautiful, and I'm going to, I want people to see my beautiful dress then I'm going to strip out of my beautiful dress. And underneath there, I've got beautiful underwear. And I want people to see my beautiful underwear and my beautiful stockings and my beautiful shoes. And so the why for that is simply, I want to show you this beauty that I have or these beautiful garments that I have. And that's kind of how classic, that's the why for classic. Whereas the the why for for neo burlesque or for nerdlesque is I want to tell you a story. I want to take you on an adventure. So it kind of depends on what's going on, what's the theme of the show, if the show has a theme. And also, again, just what's going on with me. So I had a, I usually come up with my music first. I'll just, I'm I'm a big audiophile. I love all types of music. So I'll hear a song and I just start in my mind at least like, okay, I kind of just in my start choreographing and start kind of stripping to it and then say, oh. I should probably make this a number because in my mind, I've already started putting, seeing the parts of the music or the elements of the music that lend themselves well to stripping. So I used to start with my music and then for my music, then it's all right, well, again, what's the story that I'm telling? Once I kind of get that going, then I need to start putting my costumes to get my costume together so that the costume helps to tell the story. Then costumes, then after that, then I really go back and start then once you have the costume all put together, now, then after that, I start the hardcore choreography of it because now I know what I have to take off. So now I need to start figuring out where in the music these pieces come off and in what order because you don't have to take things off in in the order that they that you put them on. So, for example, I might go through a number and take off one glove very early in the number but the last the second glove may not come off until the last 15 seconds of the number because I'm using that gloved hand to cover up until I'm ready to do the final reveal so it really kind of depends on what's going on how much I like a song do I have a show book that I need to have this done for how much money i got right now all those things build into it
0: so why don't you explain to me how you keep your audiences hype and wanting more during your performances
1: it's a combination of things part of it again is the music part of it is just giving giving them or sharing the joy that i have for what i'm doing with the audience it's burlesque is, a, it's an energy exchange. So unlike other art forms that are there strictly for your consumption, burlesque requires the audience to give something to. So the more cheering and yelling that you're doing, the more excited I get about what I'm doing. And then I can give and reflect that energy back to you. And now you're like, oh my God, that was so much fun. And I'm like, I know, cause I had fun too. So burlesque is it's a unique art form in that it is it requires the audience to give whereas like um, theater requires the audience to observe and musical performances generally require they want the audience to listen to the music. But burlesque is like, hey, you got to come, you know, when when I come on stage, you've got to give me some energy and then I'm going to give you energy back.
0: Right. Yeah, I can. I, now that I can definitely relate to uh, being an actress myself, you know, even though we want the people to observe us, if people are giving us low energy, especially if we're doing a comedy and we're not getting the laughs at the jokes that we're landing, it, it's it's a wrap. <laughs> it's an absolute wrap, you know. I've, ha- I've 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 performed in a comedy before where, where we're throwing we're we're throwing the jokes and we're we're giving them all of our energy, but then they're not giving us any back and then there's like a constant like all of the energy that we're trying to give them is not being reciprocated and bounced back to us to keep us with energy and then we lose our energy. It's a whole thing. So yeah, yeah,
1: it's hard. It's it's, it's and burlesque is. In a lot of ways, it's it's a, it's a type of comedy. We aren't always telling jokes. However, our comedy, part of our comedy is in the performance. Part of the comedy is in the fact that we've got on, you know, a ridiculous amount of rhinestones, often over, you know, glued onto to a $3 bra. Like, yes, look at this. It's sparkly. It's beautiful. The bra cost me $3. The rhinestones cost me 15 That in itself is comedy. <laughs> like, wow, you did all that work for, <laughs> again, and for a bra that people are going to see for a minute and a half. So burlesque is definitely comedy. We are lucky in burlesque in the fact that if our jokes aren't landing, we can take things off. I do. That is
0: definitely a,
1: A plus, I've done some (laughs) some stand-up and I've had moments where I'm like, you know what, if y'all don't laugh, I'm just going to have to start taking stuff off because I'm I'm used to getting my energy back and y'all are draining me.
0: Mm -hmm. So you do stand-up comedy as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that is interesting to to know. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of your costumes, do you have a new costume every time you do a show?
1: I have a stable of, I guess, a, a, a I don't want to say save. I have a wardrobe of costumes and that, you know, this, it's taken years to build. And so depending on the number that I'm doing, that I have the costume for that number and I can just, you know, kind of rotate them out or decide, you know, what show I want to use which costumes for. I was like, they can be specific for a specific act or my more classic costumes are kind of all purpose.
0: Do you assemble all of your, your own costumes or do you get them commissioned out?
1: Oh, no, I make my own. Okay.
0: So do you ever, <laughs> like, upcycle your own clothing? Like, if you had, oh. had it for, like, a performance and then you just take whatever off and then add different stuff to it?
1: I used to, um, when I first started, I did. Now I will just make the cost like, okay, I really just want to make this costume for this and I'll go that route. Um, if it's something that I just cannot figure out or it's usually something that I can't figure out or I just happen to have be out because I thrift a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'll be out and I'll find a dress at a thrift store and be like, oh, I can use this for a show. And so I'll just grab the dress and then I can move things around. I can add to it. I can, you know, if it's too big, I can alter it. So I, I do have that, but for the most part, my burly clothes are very different from my muggle clothes.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you, what exactly do you mean by by muggle for those who don't understand what muggle is?
1: Um, in for a very for a lot of burlesque performers, we refer to our daylight daily lives, our non sparkly lives, as our muggle lives. So like you're not magic life. <laughs> So when you're on a stage, when you are inside of your character, you're very magical. That's not, and that's your magical life. That's
0: not a reference to Harry Potter, is it?
1: Yes, it is. It's a Harry Potter. Okay, reference.
0: I, okay, I thought so. I'm not. I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but but just the word sounds like it came from Harry Potter. It's
1: a Harry Potter <laughs> reference. Even I mean, and unfortunately, <laughs> the writer of Harry Potter is 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 showing herself to be a complete garbage human.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been coming across the articles on that. I'm like, ooh, you just built an entire fan base and just broke it down.
1: Yeah. Not a good look. You had, you had a good thing going, but you just couldn't keep uh-huh. your mouth shut, so. hmm um, We'll
0: probably
1: so have what, to change it from Marvel, so we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs>
0: um, so what, what does your audience normally look like when you perform? Is there a difference in energy or is there a different in reactions between particular audiences, like between men, between women, black and white?
1: Most of the, uh, the majority of the audiences are white women couples there. And there's usually a, 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 and, and like an LGBTQ presence. They're not, um, there isn't a lot of black audience members there aren't a lot unless it's for like a specific show so like which in, in specific shows would be like a Jeezy's jew joint would have a big black audience um vanessa chevelle's afro has a big audience of black people so usually if it's a black show you'll have a large audience of black people but just a basic burlesque like basic burlesque show usually not as much I don't see a lot of Black people. I would love to see more Black people. I really want to see more Black people. I want to see more Black women. I want to see more queer Black women. I want to see us there because very often we don't know it exists. No one is telling us that they're Black burlesque performers. And if we don't know, then we don't know. So trying to get, I would love to see more, definitely more Black for less performers and more black audience members.
0: So do you feel the the difference in energy between a black audience and a white audience?
1: I am not, I, I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> when <laughs> it is a black audience, I sh- try my hardest to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. Because it's black excellence. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I know it's a black audience. And again, usually if it's a black audience, it's the majority of the cast is black. So where I might've been able to like kind of phone it in or, okay, I'm going to do my thing at this point, you know, competition is, is kicked in. I just saw, you know, I just watched Eartha just kill the stage. So like, all right, well now, all right, let me stretch a little more. Let me make sure I'm (laughs) extra limber. I got to make sure, oh, you know, oh my God, I got to put my eyeshadow on because I've got to be prepared. Because Eartha just murdered the stage, and now I gotta come behind her. So mm-hmm. the level of competition, the level of just extraness goes up that much more. Because it's like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta show out, right? <laughs> you know, from the
0: people. <laughs> I, I I totally understand that. Whenever um, I perform between a white audience and a black audience, though, <laughs> it's it's such a dramatically a dramatic difference in energy Um, our people love to do the call and response so whenever we're doing a performance in front of black, whenever I do a performance in front of a black audience and it hits like a dramatic point, you hear the oh lord, oh no mm -mm, no," you know so (laughs) but it's that energy that I thrive off of you get what I'm saying? I love it personally because I, I perform at Detroit Repertory Theater. And that was honestly the first time where I encountered a fully Black audience. And I was not prepared the first time I performed there with, for the call and response. But it was, it was, it was completely charismatic. It, it drove me in the show, whereas with the white audiences, they're, they're, they're much more quiet. They're much, they keep much more to themselves. If something does shock them, you'll hear an audible gasp, but that's it.
1: They're more <laughs> passive. We are. We, when exactly. the black audience, we get into it. That's why I say, I love if yeah. I get a black audience. Oh my God. Cause I'm like, I got, to, again, first of all, I, I got to show up and show out. But second, uh-huh. You just know, like they know, they know the story that you're telling. Mm-hmm they get the story that you're telling on a different level. And I, mm-hmm. I love, I love that. Like, I mean, I perform wherever, um, but yeah, if I can get a Black audience, who
0: yes. Have you ever seen anybody, um, any Black burlesque performer, do any um stuff according to um, Black TV shows? Like say if somebody did a, a, a performance to Living Single or something like that?
1: I know that Chocolate City Burlesque did, um, they had a number to, it was in uh, school days. The the girl group in school days, they did a number to their song. And I was like, I am living my best 19, I'm living my best, like, you know, 11 year old 1988 life. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world.
0: That's awesome.
1: We do, and, and we'll do them, like, um. It's usually you have like, a again, if you have a theme for a show, that's where you're going to get some of those things. So if theme is TV shows, then you go for as, you know, as a black person, I generally go for like, OK, well, then I need to create a number. You know, I need to do a, a number as, you know, you know, Walona from Good Times. So you kind of go and you find, you know, again, you find those opportunities where it's like, oh, I want to bring I want to. I'm gonna do a number, but I'm gonna bring the culture with me, and I love those opportunities
0: I love that I love that i would I would pay good money to see that <laughs>
1: <laughs> those are fun, you know and they are fun it's i think the hard the the part is first thing is being comfortable in yourself, being comfortable in your being comfortable in yourself and being comfortable as a performer because very often you'll have a perform you know you'll have a, a casting call go out and we're looking for people to do numbers you know of their favorite TV shows and the producer has their favorite TV sh- shows in their mind which are not necessarily hmm. or partly ever a TV show that I grew up with so then it's bringing it's being like okay well this is what I have and this is what I'm bringing and I, I get that you really loved the Brady Bunch, but uh-uh, that's not my life. <laughs> Brady Bunch? Or I, you know, you loved, I, when I was very, when I was very young, I had, there was a, a show they did in Virginia and it was the, the theme the show, it was based off of the old move, the old TV show, Hee Haw.
0: Oh God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Which they had kind of started and they were, you know, doing some marketing towards it. And about midway through, they got a cease and desist letter from the producers, I guess, of the production company that owned Hee Haw. They were like, you can't do this. So like, then they had to go back and rebrand it and change the, you know, change it. The theme stayed the same, but they could no longer use, they couldn't use the name. Get out of here. So. Wow. Hmm. It happens. Um, Again, I don't think I, I think if I've ever watched Hee Haw, it was probably on accident. Um, mm-hmm. but for this producer, that was a big part of her childhood. She was like, Yeah, this is gonna be great. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck this is, but okay, <laughs> all right, I'll do it.
0: So, um, uh, you when you were talking about the audiences, um, it, it, it kind of came to my mind actually caffeine came to my mind and I know how they do um they do drag and burlesque so do you co- often see a crossover of drag shows and burlesque shows
1: drag and burlesque are like they're they're like they're half sisters you know, okay. they're not twins they're not but they you know they got the same daddy <laughs> or they got the same mama so
0: they're they're not full-blown of, related yeah
1: yeah, they're related, but you know, they're, again, they again they're not twins, but they are right. related. And so, um it's one of the, it's a weird sort of thing because even though drag is risque and in your face and very much about the comedy and also about the glitz and the glamour and the drama, there is very often a strained relationship between burlesque and drag because I kind of want to say there's a bit of misogyny in there because you've got burlesque performers and Hmm. burlesque performers tend to be more, tend to be female. And so you'll have a drag show where the drag performers are presenting, you know, presenting the illusions of femininity and the illusions of being female. And then when you bring anatomical or I don't even know how you bring other females in, and then there's sort of like a, a cattiness that kind of, that that tends to happen. Mm. That's been my, well, that, that was my experience, at least like in Richmond. We were like, oh, that's, we should, you know, because I'm like, yeah, we should totally do something together. And it was like, yeah, sure. The drag queens are like, yeah, sure. Hire us and we'll come to your show, but we're not putting you in our shows. Well, <laughs> so that, that, we never that's able to ridiculous. Kind of bridge the gap. Yeah. Well, right. also um, very often, I think, in, or often in, again, with drag is that, The drag sometimes is in its own time, in its own way, is sort of having its own struggles or its own internal battles. And so kind of adding in burlesque makes it a little more challenging because burlesque performers have, you know, it's a different skill set. And I give drag performers like so much credit because they are able to do they do what I do and they keep their clothes on. So I give them props because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not entirely sure I could do what I do with my clothes on the whole time. Like they are able to captivate this audience from start to finish, and everything stays on. Mm -hmm. I can captivate an audience, but I'm taking stuff off, so my job is a little bit easier. Because if if whatever for whatever reason I'm getting a a cold reception, I can just you know flash a I can flash my butt, and people warm up to
0: that. Mm -hmm. People like butts. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, let's let's touch a little bit on your comedy since you you were you were mentioning that you're uh, also a stand-up comedian. Um, why don't you explain to me what um what your style of comedy is?
1: Well, my style of comedy kind of happened. Comedy came well. I'm a silly, I'm a ridiculously silly person, but it happened sort of accidentally. I was at a sh- I was at a burlesque show, and the the host was the host had to go to the bathroom. And so I was like, well, just go ahead and go and I'll keep the show going. So I got the microphone and I was like, all right, well, I'll just, you know, keep hosting the show. And so I'm, I'm kind of bridging the gap between from one number to the next number, allowing the host enough time to go to the bathroom. And I'm just telling silly stories. And so I'm more of a, like a storyteller, than necessarily a joke teller. And so I just kind of was telling a story, you know, tell a couple stories and then they came back and I was like, well, here's your microphone. I'm going to go back and, you know, be a burlesque performer. And they were like, that was really, you know, afterwards people were like, oh my God, that was great. We love you. We love your hosting. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just being silly on, you know, you just gave a silly person a microphone. So from there I said, all right, well, if I'm going to be doing this or if I'm going to wind up having to host more often, I've got to be able to have some things that I can talk about that I've already worked through and so then I started going to open mic nights and kind of jumping in and saying all right and trying to figure out again what my style of of comedy is and I'm not you know I'm 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 no Kevin Hart I'm no Tiffany Haddish but I, I can you know I have funny stories.
0: Is, is, it, is your brain of comedy like a, a stream of consciousness or is it something that you have to have rehearsed and, and scripted for yourself?
1: It's, it's kind of stream of consciousness. It's not really, I don't really, no, I don't think I rehearsed it. I think it, it goes in my mind and I've been doing, I've been a silly person long enough to kind of know where the jokes are. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have to worry about, you know, am I hitting a joke or is it going to is a joke going to hit? I'm like, Oh, I know that's funny. Cause I've been silly a very long
0: time. So since we're talking about two, two very interesting art forms, burlesque and comedy are both dominated by white people. Burlesque dom- is dominated more by white women. Comedy is dominated more by white men. Explain what it's like as a black woman in burlesque and in comedy, what it's like to be you and issues that you have come across.
1: In comedy, I am i haven't had much, I haven't had any really anything to, I mean, I've bombed before, of course, but generally, because it's so male-dominated, they're excited to have a female that's willing to get up, so I've been pretty lucky in that arena where I can be like, oh, yeah, you know, they see they're looking at the names, and it's Brad and Thomas and Jamal and Kevin and Lottie, oh, okay, well let's put let's put Lottie somewhere in here to break up all of the you know all the dudes. So I've been fortunate in that. Um in burlesque it's a little bit more of a challenge. I think that we're having a second awakening in burlesque. So I'm kind of excited for that to see how this is gonna shake out. Every every few years there's there we have a major dust up in burlesque. Um and it just sort of goes it's sort of it's, it's like a microcosm of the regular world except burlesque is probably about a few years ahead so because this artist and activist are in that community and then the dust sort of settled and things calmed down yeah well there was a comic and he did a black a black face number and that <sighs> blew up and People, some people were supportive some people weren't supportive and so then that was another shake then we had another shakeup so we found it like had these little shakes that have been going on in 2016 uh, 2015 it got crazy again it got crazy in Virginia and that was how um, we had a performer who had just said some really off color stuff and I spoke up about it I said, hey that's not okay to do. And I didn't tag the person I wasn't particular and I didn't attack the person, but apparently my speaking up bothered some other people. And as a result, I wound up being outed as a performer and
0: mm, you were black boxed. Um, or I mean, um, black bald. I'm sorry. You were black bald.
1: I was not. I was I was beyond I was t- I was beyond black bald. I was outed as a performer mm. to my job. Um, they sent a clip. Of me performing, and I was um, forced to resign from my muggle job.
0: No way. Yep. When you say when now when you say outed, you were outed as a performer, not regarding like anything else personal, like 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 uh, gender identity or or sexuality or anything, right?
1: Nope, I was outed. Okay, just
0: just you being a performer. Yep. Wow. And they fired you because of that. Yep. Wow. Wow.
1: So that was, and that's, that's how I wound up with my, with the, with the tagline, the the twerking teacher. Um, I didn't give myself that tagline. I didn't ever, I wasn't a big twerker. I don't, I didn't teach twerking or anything like that. It was legit. The article, one of the articles says, said, you know, parents say fire twerking teacher. (laughs) And I was like, twerking teacher. Okay. So I guess that's who I am now. And that's how I wound up with wow.
0: that type of time. that's uh that's 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 really messed up just because that's that's the you you treat burlesque as your second job yeah correct yeah it, wow mm, I am so sorry that happened to you
1: it brought me i mean it it, it allowed me to to grow as a person
0: mm-hmm. it
1: allowed me to to get some perspective on some things in my life. Um, it allowed me a chance to reevaluate some things because up until this point, it was just like, hey, I'm just a regular old person doing my thing. And, you know, I, 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 got, I used to say it all the time, I was like, I am just a, you know, a mediocre burlesque performer. And I'm like, you took a someone who was a mediocre burlesque performer who probably never would have gone much further than than Richmond. And you those actions thrust me into the spotlight. And I went from being just a mediocre burlesque performer to Lottie Ellington, which was, you know, which was crazy.
0: Wow. You know, it's it's really unfortunate where performers, black performers, when they have their their primary nine to five or, you know, nine nine to whatever, four hour job and people at that nine to five job find out about your second artistic career and they just can't handle it
1: no nope. because you're supposed to be dedicated to that career yeah you know regardless of whether you know regardless of the fact that you've been doing your artistic career for years and have never had any issue it's just the that how dare you have something other than this job that we have provided for you <laughs> what would you know what why what it's it's almost like as if they feel like it's a betrayal like why aren't we enough like well because sitting at this desk all day is boring and I have want to do some awesome stuff with my life
0: Mm. I once had a supervisor who found out I was taking a um a summer intensive tap dancing class and um my supervisor said to me um I can see you doing great things, great, great things, almost sounding like like the orange piece of turd that's in office right now. I see you doing great, great things. You shouldn't be doing some little tap dancing class. I was so mortified and so insulted by my supervisors saying this to me. Thankfully, I didn't listen to them. (laughs) I went on ahead and took my, my little intensive tap dancing class. You know, but it, you know, and especially when, when you're constantly around these people, you see them more than your family Mm -hmm. and then they, they just completely crap all over your dreams.
1: Yeah. Because you had the audacity to have a dream other than sitting at the, you know, sitting in your cubicle, typing Mm -hmm. and filing and filling out forms because, Mm -hmm. because that's, because again, it's, I think very often they, a lot of people are really especially when it comes to Black women, we they are most comfortable with us being one-dimensional.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: This is what you do. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. I was watching something either today, it was either today or last night, I can't remember, because all the days m- meld together, but... Um,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> the person was saying, when you look at um, Gone with the Wind, and they were saying, what the character that Hattie McDaniels played, what was her name? Like you never know her name because her name wasn't Mammy. Mammy is right. the, is what they called her, but that wasn't the her job, name. Yeah,
0: her job title.
1: Yeah. So I was like, oh my! You know, it was like you know the, the light bulb moment. Like, yeah, black women aren't very often. We are a thing to society, or we are a thing to our coworkers. We are a thing to the to our jobs. We are not a person with outside interest
0: mm-hmm.
1: or things that. And we God-
0: do. God forbid that you can't stay after and work uh, overtime oh, because no. somebody else at the at your job is lacking and you got to pick up their slack. God forbid, because if you tell them I can't, I have rehearsal, and then they they get mad at you. Oh, mm-hmm. heavens to Murgatroyd! You can't you can't do that.
1: Why would you have a rehearsal? You right. know, your rehearsal. You know, you know. Jim has a child and you can't stay for five minutes to cover Jim so he can go pick up his child.
0: You don't have any children.
1: You don't have any, you don't have children. Man. Yeah. Again, (laughs) what's I think from here on out, my question to anybody, when they say something like me like that, I'm like, what's Mammy's first name? (laughs) (laughs) You can tell me Mammy's first name. I'll stay. But if you don't know what Mammy's first name is from Gone with the Wind, I'm not staying. Right. Because I'm not and a one-dimensional you know. character in your in your story, I have my own right. story.
0: Now, why don't you tell me what kind of issues or stereotypes have you faced um, in burlesque and in comedy, and how did you overcome them?
1: I am like again, like so many other black burlesque performers, the surprise. I'm you know again, always we we are always the, the magical Negro, always. Mm -hmm. someone's magical, you know, special friend. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to have you in my life and you're always there and you're always supporting me. And so being that, being the glue that holds a community together or the voice of reason in a community. um, And not for any, not because I think not because I wanted to, but because I was also a lot older than a lot of my contemporaries so mm-hmm. while they're like, oh my God, I'm going to report her on Facebook and all this other stuff. I'm was, I was like, I'm grown. I don't have time for this foolishness. If you right. don't like her, then just don't talk to her. It's not that deep. You don't have to try mm-hmm. to ruin her reputation on Facebook. If she's that horrible of a human being, the the world will figure it out sooner or later. Right. Just let it go. So being, unfortunately, being put in that That mammy position of having to mother a community or referee the community and be the cool head that prevails and says to the hotheads, don't do this in public or don't do this in the middle of a show or don't do this online if you need to talk to each other, see each other and meet with each other or hit each other's DMs, but please don't air the community's dirty laundry on facebook
0: (laughs) it's so weird how how certain communities do something like that because it's it's something like that within the theater community as well um especially when it comes to casting black actors in white dominated theaters you know it's like we're here y'all want us in your shows but you constantly pick tokenism shows You constantly negate that Black people even have their own stories to tell. You know, whenever the idea of bringing up a Black story, like, hey, let's do such and such a story. Oh, our audiences won't like that. We might lose some audiences.
1: So why don't you guys just do the whiz?
0: (laughs) Right. We'll, we'll We'll do the whiz where all the Negroes are shucking and jiving and that makes all the white people happy. I guess. I mean it is what yeah. it is. Um, so explain a moment to me when you had to deal with a heckler.
1: I again have not had to deal with haven't had any hecklers. But again, I've done well, like good. mainly open mic nights. So I haven't had any hecklers. I know in Burles- you know, as a host in burlesque I've had to deal with you know, I guess with hecklers, but I do remind them that I have a microphone. And people pay to see me on stage. They didn't come to hear you yell out dumb shit. So I need you to <laughs> put something in your mouth before I do.
0: Ooh. 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 She said, "She's
1: she said kind of, yeah." That kind of brings <laughs> it on down.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> So, how do you keep your mental health in check between performances?
1: Performing is generally what keeps my mental health in check.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: is the greatest in the world. I would not trade it for anything. For three minutes for th- between three to five minutes, I get to be the best most the best version of myself for that three to five minutes. It doesn't matter if I had a rough day. It doesn't matter if my dog ate my pasties. It doesn't matter if, oh my God, I don't have underwear to go with my second costume because I switched bags and decided to go with a different show bag and my show panties are in this bag. For that three minutes, that three to five minutes, I am on top of the world. And it is those three, that three to five minutes is what gets me through the rest of my life.
0: Hmm. That's, that's uh that's a beautiful thing to feel. I, I, I know that feeling all too well. I remember my, my mentor telling me that performing has a cathartic feel that sometimes therapy can't resolve.
1: It cannot. It isn't. It's performance in and of itself is therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it, it's therapy for me. Mm-hmm. I had... I had a I had a situation years ago where there was um there there was um, a drive by and I was at home and they hit the wrong house and I was really really just like mentally messed up over it. Mm. I was lucky I wasn't injured, but it was literally like by the grace of God that I wasn't injured because had I been sitting on my couch where I normally sit, I would have definitely been hit. I just happened that my dog wanted some, wanted a bone from underneath the, cou- underneath the couch and I happened to be laying face down on the carpet, reaching under the couch to grab the, the ball when the shooting started. And at that point in time, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, how do I live? How do I deal with the things in, you know, in my life? Suddenly loud noises were, you know, a loud noise and I'm in tears police sirens and I'm in tears. Like it was just a lot. And I went to therapy and they were like, you know, you have to find your safe space or your happy place. And I was like, okay, well the only place that I have in my life is being on stage. That is the place where I am most safe because I know Mm -hmm. while I'm on stage, no one can touch me. No one can hurt me. No one can throw things at me if they did, there would be a whole crowd of people that would attack them. And so I started to use, if I got anxious, if I got overwhelmed, if I started to have flashbacks, I would just kind of sit and kind of curl up and I would run over my burlesque numbers, run over the choreography, run over the songs. And when do I do this? And when do I do that? And that's how I was able to if I'm even to this day, if I'm feeling very anxious, I just have to sit down and I go over the choreography for burlesque and that's how I get through it. So it is for some people, you know, some people are, oh my God, how could you say burlesque is therapy? I'm like, it is therapy for me. It's therapeutic and it's therapy. It it saved my life once and it continues to save my life every day.
0: Hmm. That's deep. That's really deep. <laughs> So what kind of advice do you have for aspiring burlesque and comedians?
1: For comedians, I would say find your local open mics and go to them and just get on the stage and just do it. Just talk it out. You can be super funny to your friends and then be But you've got to figure out if you can make what's super funny to your friends translate into something that's super funny to other people. So for a comedian, go find a find an open mic and just do it and stick to who you are. You don't have to do what other people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stick to who you are. You don't have to do what other people do. I was starting and I was like, oh, I see everybody has notebooks. So maybe I need to have my stories in a notebook and maybe I need to have, you know, jot my things down and I tried that and I bombed so hard and I was like wow that sucked <laughs> maybe I shouldn't write my things you know write this stuff down and go off of a notebook maybe I should just do like I've been doing going up there and having a disc and having a, having a funny conversation and so that's what I've been doing I'm like all right I'm gonna have a funny conversation I'm not gonna worry about sticking to a specific material or plot line it's this is a funny conversation that we're going to have. And for burlesque, i say find, if you are a burlesque performer of color, find some other burlesque performers of color and talk to them. Hey, I want to do this. How do I do this? Help me do this because we're here and we would love to help you. And do your research. And and they will most likely, because that's just how Black women are, we like, girl, you need to go read a book. Um, so... <laughs> You know, do your research. Um, find out some, you know, find out where, you know, where does it come from? Where does it start? Don't get stuck or don't get, don't let anyone pigeonhole you and tell you that you're just supposed to, that the only black burlesque performer in the world was, was Josephine Baker, just because that's the only black burlesque performer that that individual knows. There's such a wide birth of black and brown burlesque performers. Um, Lottie, Ellington came out of Lottie the Body Graves and Tony Elling. I put their names together and came up with Lottie Ellington. Mm-hmm. So just- which
0: which rule, Lottie just passed away. I just found out about that.
1: Yeah, Lottie passed in mm-hmm. February. I think it was early February, mid mm-hmm. February. Um, yep. Lottie passed. Um, and I talked to Tony earlier last week. So yeah, there, you know, and if you, if you, if you have a legend in your city, find them, talk to them. Mm-hmm meet them.
0: Did you get the chance to to speak to Lottie the body?
1: I got to speak to Lottie a couple times, but I mainly, um, it was sort of a thing where um, I was kind of like unofficially, I'm like in charge of, not in charge of, but I I spend more time with Tony and then Mm. Dainty would spend, would kind of wrangle uh, Lottie. So Mm -hmm. between the two of us, if anybody needed to get in contact with either of them, they could contact us and can get you in contact with, um, either Tony or Lottie. Um, and so I kind of was like, all right, well I'll handle Tony and you handle Lottie. And that's kind of how we like unofficially kind of divvied up the responsibility. So I spoke mm-hmm. to Tony, but I, I spoke to Lottie, but I really spend more time with
0: Tony. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's so cool. You get to meet the two people whose name, who's, who you borrowed from, whose names yeah. you borrowed from. Um, so I, have my last question and this is called The Queen's Request. Okay Okay. and I would like for you to request one or two Michigan Black women performers of any art genre we should be keeping an eye out for
1: sarita leonard she is a fitness performer but she's a fitness instructor but she's also an amazing uh talented dancer and um,
0: how do you spell her name s-e
1: um r-i-t-a leonard and i can send you a link to send you her perfect and hmm, because i've only been here i only got back here in michigan in in september so sheesh okay i may only have one but when i find another one then i'll Forward them. I
0: <laughs> okay, I one. mean that—that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. One or two. That's perfectly fine. Well, you know, I'm so glad that you joined me today. This was this was an in-depth talk. This really <laughs> was. I I really enjoyed speaking with you today.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm again. I'm honored to be here, and I'm glad to help out in any way that I can. Again, I've got um you know being back here. Since September has been amazing. I've had a chance to really connect with, um, with Caffeine and Eartha, and really just try to work with you know, like, hey, let's let's get this p let's get this this POC burlesque in Detroit Revan because Detroit is too right black to not have to only have like three of us
0: right exactly because it, it clarify for me. I know there there's Caffeine Eartha. Mm-hmm. You, yep. Fearless, yep. Um, who else? Uh, that's... Ooh, yep. <laughs> There's gotta yeah. be more um, Black burlesque performers in Michigan.
1: Uh, uh, um, Dainty Dandridge just left. She went back to D.C. She was in D.C. She was in Detroit, went to D.C., stayed in D.C., then came back to Detroit, then I came back to Detroit, and then she went back to D.C., so okay, there was dainty, um, but that may—I think that's all we have. I'm wow. going to continue wow, wow, to work. Wow. I want to work on that. I, if people are interested, mm-hmm. hey, I will. I teach classes. Please come take classes. I will. You know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Black okay. Activeness. Did you?
0: Yes. Did you have a like a like a social media account you want to share or?
1: Um, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I don't really tweet that much, but yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, and I, and my website. They're all Lottie Ellington. So if you go under Lottie Ellington, I pop up. I made it okay. very simple across Perfect.
0: The board. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.